Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are listening to this. My name is Daniel Carpio of the Inscriber Digital Magazine, and I wanted to record a series of podcasts. These three podcasts to deal with has been an interesting week when it comes to the world of wrestling. From, and it's going to touch three different topics. I'm going to touch on the topic of WWE's earnings call and Nick Khan's interview with CNBC around that time because it, everything focuses around the potential sale of WWE and what's happening in that front. The second part is going to be on this Bloomberg article that on AEW that there's just uh, it's one of the things that you do need a good amount of media literacy to see because there's so much wrong with that article not from a family perspective from a journalist's perspective they said I'm actually surprised that that article just reading after reading it that it got published I'm going to have a pod focus on that. I'm going to record these back to back to back to back. But the first one is going to be on the dilemma that WWE is facing right now with Sami Zayn because Sami Zayn has officially crossed a threshold of becoming the fourth, in my eyes, the fourth accidental babyface in the last decade for WWE. And it's a pretty unique situation compared to the other three. Because there's because of the bloodline storyline, because of the crowd reactions, and because of the involvement obviously of one Cody Rhodes. First, let me mention the other three accidental baby faces that I'm talking about. Because I said, Sammy is the fourth. And then I'm going to go like quickly over the comparisons and how this situation is unique from the other, from the other three. The first accidental baby face is Daniel Bryan. He is the template, actually. In many ways, and that is of the crowd getting behind a wrestler to the point where the company can't ignore it as much as they wanted to, or as much as they've tried to stall the momentum by doing other weird things. With Daniel Bryan, it was either having him. Lose to Sheamus in under 18 seconds. Or putting him in the Wyatt family. Which did the opposite of installing this momentum. But it raised it even more. But like I said, he's a template. He's the person that showed that the crowd can impact if they forcefully do it enough. 
they can force WWE, in this case, like someone mentioned at this point, Vince McMahon, they can force McMahon to change his plans. And it ended, obviously, WrestleMania 30, Daniel Bryan going over two matches after essentially taking over Raw TV at one point. He has two matches, one against first against Triple H, and if he beats Triple H, he gets included into the match between Randy Orton and Batista for the unified WWE Heavyweight Championship. Obviously, he beats Triple H, gets added to the match, he makes Batista pass out to the Yes Lock. And he wins the title. You see him lifting both belts. Now, he was a champion before. So he was the he held the World Heavyweight Championship before. That's the championship that lost 18 seconds to Sheamus. But the way the crowd got behind him, him lifting both belts, and the fact that the crowd was still somewhat recovering from the previous match where Brock Lesnar broke the Undertaker streak. It added a crescendo in that effect. In that area. That's the first accidental babyface. The second and third accidental babyfaces happen relatively the same time. Different timelines, but they both were included in WrestleMania. WrestleMania 39. Not WrestleMania 39, sorry. WrestleMania 35. Those two are Kofi Kingston and Becky Lynch. Both of them under very different circumstances. You had a with Kofi, it was a situation where he was firmly establishing in the tag division, firmly establishing the mid-card. As part of the New Day, they still very, very popular as much as some people wanted to say that it's kind of stale, like just look at the merch sales. Just look at the crowd reaction. People love the new day. And what you had is a situation where Kofi became the beneficiary of somebody else's misfortune. Because Mustafa Ali was building the momentum to get a big push but he unfortunately suffered a concussion and he had and then suddenly he had to be included as somebody had to replace him in the elimination chamber match and Kofi wound up winning that and I think what talk is smack to AJ Styles he mentions that, like, this is 11 years. This is my opportunity. 11 years. I've been tag team champion. I've been U.S. champion. I've been the continent champion. But it's 11 years. This is my shot at the top wires, at the WWE title, which is enough. Was held by Daniel Bryan at this point because he came back. Well, well, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But he winds up going in and. The crowd started getting really behind, started feeling behind that point because you realized, yeah, 
Kofi's been in the company at this point in time. He's been in the company 11 years. He's never come close to getting the shot at the WWE title. He should get an opportunity. He's, Kofi's a great talent. He's always been entertaining. Royal Rumbles um, to the last two, unfortunately, but he's always provided the acrobatic sequence where his feet don't touch the rope or both his feet don't touch the don't touch the floor so he so he can get in and like I said dramatic great talent obviously tag team championships with the New Day US Championship Intercontinental Championship so he's had a good amount of belts but he's never been able to cross that threshold into WWE sphere at that time so he gets put into the elimination chamber, has one of his best matches in that elimination chamber. And at that point, that crowd is fully behind him. And interestingly enough, they WWE tries to replicate elements of the Daniel Bryan storyline into Kofi. And elements were like, okay, you have now this time Vince McMahon openly saying, I don't believe in you, Kofi. You should be a world champion material. Or you have Daniel, like I said, Daniel Bryan at this point, who came back from force to be retired. He has the WWE title as the as the planet's champion. And having him call Kofi what Triple H called him. When it when he was the accident in the baby face saying he's a B plus player, he had all that fall into. And then you had the situation where Vince tries to take Kofi out of the match WrestleMania. And the new day pretty much tells Vince, no, no, you're not taking those for Kofi. They get put in a golf match for a Kofi spot. They wound up winning. They winning up to that, winning up to the Usos. The Usos forfeit because of the respect that they've had for the New Day, and the respect that they've had for Kofi. And then ultimately, like I said, Vince did a screwy thing after. I think they had Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan beat them, but then like I said, it, it got to the point where they needed to face each other at WrestleMania. Kofi wins. And it's very significant because it's the first champion in a long time WWE who was black, either African or African-American descent. And like that was powerful when it happened. And it led to positive effects afterwards. But I'll stick to that at that point. The third exit on the baby face, like I mentioned, it happened the same year as Kofi, but over a longer period of time. And obviously that that's Becky Lynch. Because Becky at that point, she was mainly like a fan favorite. She always had a good attitude. She was the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion. When the Bryan split became a thing again. 
And even though like, she did lose it and she was in the mid card, the crowd still liked her. And she was slowly building momentum back up. Until it got to the point where in 2018, I think. Yeah, 2018 SummerSlam. She was challenging Carmella for the Smack to win back the SmackDown Women's Championship. And the crowd was firmly behind her. And then WWE put Charlotte Flair to match up. People got pissed at that. And I think this probably was a catalyst, unfortunately, their real life friendship deteriorating. The, at least the beginning of that deterioration. WWE has Charlotte go over. Has her win the championship. And what was supposed to happen in WWE's eyes was, okay, Becky's going to turn on Charlotte. She's going to get booed. She's, they're going to be seen. She's going to be the sort of loser. We'll switch her to be a heel. Have Charlotte be a sympathetic baby face. And build up and build up Charlotte and making Becky a heel. They executed the first part of the plan. Like I said they had Becky turn on Charlotte. The crowd didn't turn on Becky though. <laughs> they openly cheered Becky beating the fuck out of Charlotte after that match at SummerSlam. And they kept cheering her through every instance where they tried to make Becky look like a bitter heel compared to sympathetic babyface Charlotte. In fact, they had a t-shirt. I think they only had a t-shirt for that week because it, it just wasn't going to work. Where her new slogan was going to be that Becky Lynch was relentless. She was the relentless. Obviously, on the, a play on the word relentless... And on the fact that she, her nickname, her recollection was the last kicker. Well, obviously, it didn't work. The rivalry with Charlotte continued. She won back the championship from Charlotte. And what? A, like, it's still the only women's pay per view all-women's pay-per-view in WWE history up to this point in Evolution. And two, in my opinion, the second greatest women's match in WWE history. The first one still being Sasha Banks down Mercedes Monet and Bayley NXT TakeOver 2015 Brooklyn. That's still the standard. Right behind it is Charlotte and Becky at Evolution. She wins it. The crowd still loves her. And this is right before Survivor Series. And this is when it was when Survivor Series is still brand warfare. <coughs> so obviously, you can have Becky as a SmackDown Women's Champion go against the Raw Women's Champion. Where at that point was Ronda Rousey. And you had. This you've had the situation where 
<coughs> how do I say it? Sorry. You've had the situation where you have the traditional invasion of the brands, where whether it's men or women, you've had the invasions come in. In this case, SmackDown women invade Raw, Becky Lynch attacks Runner backstage. And you obviously had the melee go in, and it took one shot. Now remember, this is by accident. But Nia Jax, who may not be back at the company, but Nia Jax hits Becky with a close fist right on her face, or at least a close enough fist where it did damage. Like, if you want to use the carny term, she gave her a potato. A load of potato. And... Not only... Like I said, not only... Breaks Becky's nose, but gives her a concussion. You didn't notice it at the time. But that, in turn... Also, at the end of that SmackDown, at the end of that Raw episode, as SmackDown women are going through the crowd to escape, you have Becky Lynch with her arms stretched out, face bloodied, talking shit, have one of the most iconic images in WWE history, and it cements her position as the man. Ultimately, except she lost it. She lost a SmackDown title at TLC. She takes somebody. She takes Lana's spot at the Royal Rumble because Lana got jumped. She wins the Royal Rumble, and she's and she picks Ronda Rousey because the crowd still wants to see her one-on-one match with Rousey. Who at this point was just pretty much a, a heel. At this point, because what happened at for Survivor Series when they found out Becky had a concussion, she wasn't medically cleared. So they picked Charlotte to face Ronda at Survivor Series. I think Ronda won, but then Charlotte beats the fuck out of her, like with Kendo sticks and chairs and things, and the crowd turns on Rousey, even though she was the one getting her ass beat. And that began Rhonda's slow uh, breakup. I'll just call it a breakup with the WWE fans. So you're right in at that point. You want Becky to win, but they they added Charlotte to the match once again. Because at that time, Charlotte was was got the championship back from Asuka as a SmackDown Women's Champion and ultimately said in the same Wrestlemania the first time they had women main event Wrestlemania Becky wins the title becomes Becky two belts crowd like I said crowd loved that Becky won and now you have the situation with Sami Zayn. 
It's a situation that there are similarities to the other three, but it's not overly one of the three, and it's unique in that sense. But with Sammy, you had him from being from him being the heart and soul of early, early NXT to him going up to the main roster and unfortunately I think in his debut match because he was part of John Cena's US title open challenge and when they were in Canada they had Bret Hart introduce hey yeah Sami Zayn's here and unfortunately even before he gets into the ring Sammy even tells you you can see it and you can see it exactly whether WWE Network or Peacock you can see exactly the moment where he dislocates his shoulder and in a way like I said Sammy has been snake bit either by injuries or just the position that he was on the card. He was babyface. At a time where it's probably not good for him to be a babyface. He ultimately turned heel because of Kevin Owens. And he's been the he- I think in 2017 is when he turned heel. And he's been technically a heel ever since up to up to when he started linking up with the bloodline. Now, first things first. Sami Zayn, whether it's him as Sami Zayn or before in the Indies as El Generico, has always given a hundred percent into whatever plans you gave him. Like there's been some matches in Japan as El Generico that make you question his sanity. And Ring of Honor, him and Kevin Owens, obviously Kevin Owens at the time, and Ring of Honor known as Kevin Steen. The matches they've had, the betrayals they had, the latter matches they've had, it adds credence to the phrase that if you give Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens a ladder, a tethered manslaughter will ensue. But you had the notion where he always gives 100%. And even at that point, in 2022, before this Bloodline story started with him, he showed it in the program that he was given after re-signing with WWE when everybody thought he was him and Kevin were going to go to AW, they instead stay with WWE. And in their way, they've been rewarded for it, obviously. But with Sammy, he resigns and he has this program, WrestleMania, <laughs> Charlie Knoxville, and Jackass, and he has one of the funniest matches you'll ever see. And it's the match of Sammy, I think when he told Stone Cold, it's the match of his career. That may change soon, but you you gotta. That's the mindset you need to have. That Sammy gives one hundred and ten percent to whatever he's given. And at this point, even as a heel run, 
whether he's a conspiracy theorist, whether he's a French Canadian <laughs> cosplay of Fidel Castro, or like a conspiracy, like say, conspiracy theorist, locker room leader, filming documentaries in that front. Throughout that whole time, like the crowds never really booed him as like, oh, he's a evil heel, he's a dastardly heel. Hell, even the promo where he explained why he turned heel, it was a promo that made sense, that made you think, yeah, you know what, Sammy's right. He's right. <laughs> but during that time, he's also he's had some success. If he's been the multiple time Intercontinental Champion, so they've trusted him in some aspects. And that and that trust falls into what started what was he even said it. He probably was gonna. This was only gonna be like for four, three, maybe six weeks tops, where he was trying to suck, suck up to the bloodline in order to protect himself by saying like, telling Roman like, Roman, I acknowledge you, you're head of the table, but I want to offer you my services as the locker room leader. I relay information as far as what the locker room is saying, and. That obviously falls into people that they may be facing you. And if you help, I help you. The bloodline, you guys help me in the matches that I need to do. That's what it was supposed to. And he, Sammy himself, said it that it was, he felt that was going to be the direction. But over time, You saw Sammy, through the Usos mainly, try to get into the good graces of the bloodline. And in many ways try to be just like an auxiliary part of the bloodline. And as he's doing it, like... the. The actions that he does, whether it's like whenever he came out with the Usos and him dancing to the Usos song. Like that, it got the crowd going and it got started to get the crowd invested in what he was doing. And it started to remind people of NXT Sammy. Said, continue, you continue this throughout where Jimmy Jimmy Uso accepts Sammy Jay Uso still not accepting them even when they Solo Sokoa is added Solo is the first the person that says I don't want my brothers to Uso's according to my first match I want you Sammy Sammy you coming he like I said it becomes infectious it leads into the situation where Roman has Sammy's bloodline shirt be ripped off and gives him the honorary Ooh shirt. Because at that point, the bloodline, they weren't, they weren't, the heels. they were technically heels, but they were the cool heels. They were the heels you cheer. And people were getting behind Sammy. 
and you started to notice it. And it became more and more, it's become more and more vocal. And and starting on Jay, still another one accepting. And it gets to the point where Jay cusses out Sammy, cusses a little bit, cusses out Roman as a consequence of it. And Sammy immediately jumps into his defense. And this the phrase that ultimately probably launched us into the stratosphere says that the only reason that Jay is in this is because he's not feeling very oozy. And at, at this point, this is where you knew, like, and not from a cave standpoint, but from a real standpoint, Sammy was trying to make the bloodline break character every single time. Just have them laugh. And he's and he's cracked them a few amount of times. And then that night, like he really cracked them by saying it, that he wasn't feeling very oozy. And Roman pulls Jay to the side, like, look, Jay, if you don't get your inner oozy, if you don't find your inner oozy, I'm gonna take the honorary off the honorary ooze. In fact, we're going to call him Sammy Uso. At this point, the crowd is starting to get really behind Sammy. And we, as the audience, realize a certain thing. We realize, okay, at this point, they're going to turn on Sammy. It's going to be heartbreaking. But, you know, they, they, they'll just find a way to put it into play through tag title or something that effect at that time. But it kept growing. It grew up to Survivor Series. Because if any story career. If you're going to involve Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens is not too far behind. And Kevin he has issues with Roman and obviously they culminate in the War Games match. And that's the match where Sami at that point ultimately proves himself to Roman Reigns by First, stopping the three count from where Kevin was was pinning Roman to Sammy giving a little blow to Kevin after he caught a super kick from Jey Uso. And then at that point, Sammy gives Kevin a haluva kick. He leaves Jay. Sorry, he leaves Kevin on the floor on on the ring floor for Jay to do a splash and get the pin. And you see it at that point, like Jay Uso fully accepts Sammy into the bloodline, and the crowd is happy as hell. Like. If you look at the press conference after Survivor Series, a lot of what Paul Heyman said 
was not in character. It was genuinely what he said. That we called Sammy the conduit where the fans got to be part of the bloodline. And his his energies become so infectious that you can't help but want him to be part of it. And at that point, that's when you started to notice because there was a lot of loud Sammy Uso chants in that crowd. That's, I think, where WWE started noticing, like, uh, this is becoming... This is becoming big. Maybe bigger than what we thought. And... Then you go after Survivor Series. Obviously, Jay's fully accepts Sammy now, but now Roman's starting to get a little bit paranoid about Sammy because Kevin Owens is still running around. And it gets to the point where after a match, uh, yeah, after the last match in SmackDown where Kevin Owens challenges. Oh no, where they challenge Kevin Owens and a partner of his own choosing turned out to be John Cena. You had a good match, but ultimately Sammy eats the pin from, I think, John Cena. And it starts building the paranoia within Roman. He starts thinking that Sammy wants to take over the bloodline. And it accumulates at the Royal Rumble. For no, first, I'm sorry. First, it accumulates the week before the Royal Rumble, where because of scheduling issues and changes during Raw 30, the 30th anniversary of Raw, you instead had the trial of Sami Zayn, where after proving himself, Sami gets put on trial, Paul Heyman is a prosecution. Tries to point out all the little instances where he's run away, where the shot at, at Survivor Series. Because Sammy, at, at one point after the match, he actually climbed the cage and put up the ones, like the symbol of the bloodline. When everybody else was was trying to get out of the ring, trying to get out of the War, war Games cage. He was on top of it to put it with the ones. Putting all that, putting like little bumps, and Sammy's hurt, and he has no defense. My defense, I have no defense because I'm so hurt by this. And Jey Uso is the one that ultimately steps up and puts it, puts in his defense. Shows every single time he's taking shots for the bloodline to protect the bloodline, and. At that point, Roman says, okay, you're not guilty, Sammy, for now, but I don't want to see you again. I don't want to see you throughout the entire week. I don't want to hear about you until Saturday. And obviously, the SmackDown the night before, he does sneak in just to thank Jay. And ultimately, the Usos get kicked out of the arena. And Jey Uso calls Sammy in to help Solo Sokoa in the match against Kevin Owens. 
And obviously it didn't work out, but it leads to that crescendo of the Royal Rumble, where Roman has Sammy be the one that follows him into the match against Kevin Owens. Bloodline wants to beat the fuck out of Kevin Owens after the match. Or like Roman wins after Kevin Owens just refused to stay down. There were moments where like he wanted Sammy to give him a chair. Sammy didn't really want to give him a chair. But Sammy's telling Kevin at some points like just stay down, dude, just stay down. But they beat the fuck out of him. At one point, like I said, Roman's about to beat the living shit out of Kevin Owens with a chair. Sammy steps, steps in front of him, tries to look, tribal, tribal chief, this is this is beneath you. You shouldn't be doing this. He's at this point, this is this is beneath you. And Roman's like, okay, yeah, I don't need to do this. You do it. Give Sammy the chair. Sammy hesitates, then Roman starts pie-facing him, like, disrespecting Sammy, and it gets to the point where Sammy just has had enough. Because at that point, he recognizes that the bloodline's using, that Roman Reigns is using him just for his own means. Hits Roman with the chair in a similar manner to how Seth Rollins hit him when the shield broke up. And the cheering, that pop from the crowd. And the way they reacted to the beatdown afterwards. Where, first of all, like, Jey Uso got out of the ring after for a good amount of time afterwards and left. Because that's going to be another talking point that I'm going to get into now in a little bit. But obviously, Jimmy Uso and Sonos beat the fuck out of. And Roman beat the fuck out of Sammy. And that entire crowd at the Royal Rumble, the Alamo Dome, finished the night with a chance of fuck you, Roman. And obviously now, we're at this point where last Friday SmackDown, Sammy attacks Roman from, attacks Roman after Roman just starts talking shit and starts getting booed from the camera. And that crowd, the explosion fall into it. And Sammy challenges Roman for the belts. Saying, I never wanted anything from you, Roman, but I want something from you now. And I'm going to take it from you. And then obviously the Usos, not the Usos, sorry, Jimmy and Solo. They, they jump Sammy and it ends, Macdon ends. With Roman, now, not with the mic, but through the camera, pretty much yell out, you broke up my family. My right-hand man isn't here because of you. And so I'm going to give you what you want, but, you, but you're going to give me what I want. You're going to get your match at Elimination Chamber in your hometown. But I'm going to do it because you broke up my family. I'm going to break you in front of yours. In front of your parents. In front of your wife. In front of your kids. In front of your fans. 
And it ends at that point. And first, what I'll say is like this. I'll point out to the numbers that the clips of Sami Zayn hitting Roman with the chair to Royal Rumble and the numbers of Sami jumping Roman on SmackDown did within 24 hours of each other across all official WWE platforms. In the case of the Royal Rumble, and this is back to the Royal Rumble, that moment where Sammy hit Roman with the chair got viewed over 20 million times within 24 hours. And the segment where Sammy jumped Roman in SmackDown, that got over 15 million views within 24 hours. That's a lot of views. Considering the people that are just viewing, they're just watching it, if you look at their ratings wise, that number dwarfs the ratings. And this is the situation now that WWE is facing with Sami Zayn. Now, There have been comparisons of the situation that Sam, that Sammy's in with the other three accidental babyfaces, particularly Daniel Bryan. This situation is unique. This situation is very, very unique compared for the other three. Probably the closest one you could probably say in some respects is Becky's. He has the least common with Kofi as far as the trajectories. That may change after after Elimination Chamber. But with the differences in between all three of them when it comes to Sammy, because the problem that you now have with Sammy is and as it's tied to Cody Rhodes in this, is that Sammy is as over as he has been in a very long time, if not ever, in WWE. And he's over to the point where Elimination Chamber may not be enough. You may have to put him in one of the main events of WrestleMania. And that's the, the that's the major debate when it comes into the situation that they're facing. Now the differences, like because they're comparing the most with Daniel Bryan. The difference in between this is because between this and Daniel Bryan is WWE was openly trying to stunt. Daniel Bryan's momentum throughout that run. They weren't doing that with Sammy. The connection that Sammy has with the fans is more organic, like Becky's was. 
That's why I say, like, if there's any similarities with Becky. And... In this situation... There's, it was early, early on. The other major difference between the other three is even before the matches of WrestleMania, there was collateral damage. Even the accident of the babyface damage. When it came to Daniel Bryan, the collateral damage was Batista. Because even though he came back and he's been to Hollywood, normally WWE crowds enjoy that, but because he wasn't Daniel Bryan, he got booed hellaciously. With Kofi, the collateral damage was the person that he wanted to replace in Mustafa Ali. Because if it wasn't for that concussion, I probably wouldn't be talking about Kofi Mania. I'll be talking about Mustafa or Ali Mania. Maybe Ali is the one that takes that ball running. And if he won a WWE title, it would have been as significant like in many ways to Kofi winning. The collateral damage when it came to Becky's run accidental babyface. First, I, her real life friendship with Charlotte, with Charlotte Flair, that was the main collateral damage. And ultimately, Ronda Rousey's enjoyment of being in the WWE was the other piece of collateral damage. People are trying to say right now that Cody Rhodes would be the one that would suffer collateral damage. And if I would have recorded this a week ago, right after the Royal Rumble, I probably would have been yelling or probably would have been phrasing the tweet that I put out that basically says this. I don't give a fuck if Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble. You're going to put one of those two belts that Roman has on Sami Zayn. You have no choice at this point. That's probably what I would have been saying throughout if I recorded this last week. With a week of hindsight, you realize that this situation is unique because of how the fans are reacting to Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes' story is, like I said, is a good story on his own. He leaves WWE in 2016. He has his indie run. He makes a bet for himself in the independent movement. Ultimately, that becomes all in, which is a catalyst of one of the many factors of what ultimately becomes AEW. He winds up forming and finding AEW with Tony Khan, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega. But ultimately, unfortunately, gets booed out of the company. His contract doesn't get renewed. And then he wants to come back to WWE like a star. And he had a run that was fitting of a star. But then, unfortunately, he suffers a peg injury right at hell. Right as he's going to have this match with Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell. He has that match, but then he has to have surgery to rehab. 
He comes back. He wins the Royal Rumble. And the crowds still cheer. Cody. Now, one can say that this is actually evidence of the fact that WWE has actually cultivated three distinct audiences within their overall fan base. The Raw fan base, the SmackDown fan base, and the NXT fan base. And the fact that Cody was getting cheered and really, really cheered throughout on Raw when he, like I said, the last last week's Raw when talking about him challenging Roman he was not getting booed He was there was no hint of that when you hear Smackdown when Roman tried to cut the promo saying I should be talking about Cody Rhodes some of that crowd started to boo because they didn't want to hear about Cody that crowd wanted to hear about Sammy And that's what makes this situation unique from all the other accidental baby faces. And this is what makes it a pretty interesting dilemma that WWE is facing right now with Sammy. Because now Sammy is one of the top baby faces in the company. After that beat down by the bloodline. You have that factored into it. And you have that factored into it that he may not be alone in this situation because of Jey Uso. Because, like I mentioned, Jey Uso didn't join the beatdown of Sammy. He got out. And that may tie together to how the bloodline storyline started in the first place where Roman comes in as the head of the table, but Jay is the one that rebels and says, no, I want to be head of the table. I want to be the one that puts everything on my back. And this may actually put a bow in that part of the Bloodline storyline. But the overall, like I said, the dilemma is the fact that Cody's run, when he comes back, his main focus is I want to win the world title. Not only for myself, but to cement my father's legacy. And I wanted him, I want to hold the title that was taken from him. Because if you look at history, Dusty Rhodes did win the WWF championship at one point one night. And then they found a way to take it from him at a house show in the garden. Madison Square Garden, if you don't know, if we want to talk about the garden. But with Cody's run, it's a situation where he feels that winning the championships will not only validate himself, it'll validate his father's legacy within WWE as a performer, not just as the coach and legend after the ring. And that's still a valid story. And that's still something that you want to see. And 
to me, it's a situation where that's compelling enough where it'll prevent fans from fully booing him in favor of Sammy. So then the situation becomes a, what are you doing in this situation? Because all of these runs his accent on the baby faces. They've had instances of luck and instances of circumstance. With Daniel Bryan, it's a combination of the crowd not wanting anybody else along with CM Punk leaving the company. With Kofi, like I mentioned, it's the fact that Mustafa Ali got a concussion and somebody had to else had to jump in to make that run. With Becky, it's the fact that Nia, because Nia just gave her the concussion, it, the crescendo could have ended at Survivor Series and she wouldn't have probably gotten as hot as she did before WrestleMania. In this instance, there's a possibility and this becoming more realistic possibility that the match that WWE wanted, that a lot of fans wanted for this particular WrestleMania, which is Roman Reigns versus The Rock, may not happen because The Rock may not be either in ring shape or he doesn't feel like he'd be able to do a match with Roman Justice, so he may not be able to join this match. Because that was the plan. Maybe the, like the original plan was have Roman defend the titles on two different nights, have Cody challenge for the WWE Championship, have Roman lose that one, but then he'll win against The Rock, where he'll declare himself the real head of the table. Like the final bow to the bloodline storyline. Now, with that possibility possibly gone, those two nights are opened up. And even though you're going to have Roman versus Sammy demolition cha- elimination chamber, you don't expect Sammy to win. And that can lead either with like Jay Uso betraying Sammy at the elimination cha- in that match elimination chamber, which sets up like which will set up the Usos versus him, Sammy, and Kevin Owens for the tag titles of WrestleMania, which can work. Can work. But is it good enough now at this point? Because there's a lot of fans that are, that are perfectly fine with that, person. there's a group of fans that are like, no. We need Sammy to have his WrestleMania moment, his WrestleMania night as a singles competitor. But then you have the situation where WWE probably originally, even whether it's Vince McMahon or Triple H and creative, they probably wanted Roman still being the champion at the end of the night of WrestleMania. Will Sammy's momentum, even after he loses at the Chamber, 
Will that momentum continue to the point where you have the scenario where Roman still defends the titles of both knights? But he loses both. And the bloodline comes crashing down. That's the type of the WWE has to walk through. Because at this point, you have Sammy and Cody. Both have equal cases. And both have probably exposed the fact that they're the baby faces of separate ecosystems. And that's gonna be interesting to watch within the next couple of months. What is WWE gonna be willing to do? Are you going to give put Sammy in a WrestleMania match if it becomes blatantly apparent, like it it, or it should be by now, that The Rock is not going to be at WrestleMania? Do you have Roman lose both at that time for the crescendo moments? Or do you have Roman lose only to Cody and you have Sammy doing the tag scene? It's an, it's an interesting situation to have. It's an embarrassment of riches, actually, which, benef- which may benefit WWE either way. But uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. I definitely, like I said, I'm going to record two other ones right after this related to the different situations. And, but thank you for listening to this. Like I said, folks, like wherever you are, hope you guys have a good day. This is Daniel Carpio of the Inscriber Digital Magazine. Catch you in the next one.